Okotov, good morning. Welcome, everybody, to the Aliyah Day. I am uh, your host, your guide, your teacher, Rabbi Griffin with Sar Shalom Synagogue. I am also uh, the founder of Lapid Judaism, Baruch Hashem. So very happy for that honor. Welcome. We have many, many new people who have joined our beautiful channel here recently. So we welcome all of you. I pray that you enjoy the Aliyah Day and the other uh, teachings that we have here. I pray that they are a blessing to you in your life to help you uh, on your journey to pursue Hashem, to pursue faith in the Messiah, to be uh, Messiah-centered, centered upon Yeshua, which means salvation. I'm glad you're here. If you are new and, and just arriving to our channel, we'd ask you to subscribe and click the little bell icon so you can stay up to date on all of the uh, wonderful things that we have forthcoming. Be sure and like this video as well. All of you have been doing a fantastic job of liking the video, and so thank you so much for that. Be sure to comment, and as always, share with your friends, colleagues, co-workers, all of your beautiful uh, people out there that you know and love, because they will appreciate you showing this them this uh, amazing uh, opportunity to learn. We are in Parasha Shoftim, and we are going to be on the page in our uh, Chumash, page 1031, if you have the Arts Row Chumash, page 1031, we are in chapter 18, chapter 18, which is Chai, which is life. Are you high maintenance? I hope you are. We are going to be in, pay, uh, let's see, verse 6. Pasuk uh, 6, verso 6. It's a kind of a short aliyah here. It's 6 through uh, 13. So let's read and get right to our insights because as always, we, we have quite a lot of content and important lessons to learn, life lessons on our journey of faith here together. Uh, it says, When the Levite will come from one of your cities, from all of Israel, where the, he sojourns, and he comes with all the de desire of his soul to, to the place that Adonai will choose, then he shall minister in the name of Adonai his God like all his brethren, the Levites who stand there before Adonai. Now in this case, we're talking here not just about the Levite in general, but we're talking about the Kohen in specific. I said yesterday, in the grand scheme of things, uh, the Kohenim and the Levi'im, they only worked in the temple two weeks of the year. Two weeks of the year. The rest of the time, what they do? <clears throat> they sat on the beach eating bonbons. They went scuba diving and snorkeling, uh, deep sea fishing, spear fishing, cliff diving. No, that's not what they did. They spent the rest of their time doing what was most valuable and most important. Serving the temple was a great honor and was important, don't get me wrong, but what they spent the majority of their life doing was being involved in the life cycle events of the everyday Jew, teaching, leading, being the rabbis, as it were, in the communities, teaching Torah, guiding people, being their counselors, helping them through difficult times. 
<clears throat> and so this is saying that if they should come, I should say, by the way, in First Chronicles, I don't think I wrote it down over here somewhere. Um, forget the reference exactly. But in First Chronicles, King David set up the priestly order and 24 orders. So you, you would serve two weeks out of the year, thereabouts. However, if you were a Kohen and you came to Yerushalayim for any reason, uh, particularly during the pilgrimage festivals, the Torah permitted you to, uh, permitted the Kohen to go to the temple and serve. So in other words, they had a right to serve anytime they were in Yerushalayim and it doesn't matter if they weren't on duty that week. So this is what the Torah is teaching us here. So verse 8, it says, <clears throat> Portion for portion shall they eat, except for what was transacted by the forefathers. Verse 9, When you come to the land that Adonai your God gives you, you shall not learn to act according to the abominations of those nations. You guessed it. That is the word we've talked about a great deal here. It is betoavot, uh, from the word toeva. This is the same word, just to recap, this is the same word that is used about kosher, or non-kosher food, I should say. Is it a toeva? It's an abomination. It's the same word that's used to discuss homosexuality. Is it toeva? The same word that's used to discuss idolatry. Again, toeva, it's an abomination. And now we're talking about not following the acts of the uh, nations that surround us. Again, an abomination. Now, many times the Torah thus far has, has, has been teaching us, both in this parasha and the previous parasha particularly, uh, if, if not the entire uh, Torah itself, not to follow the practices of the pagans around us. And so the Torah is very, very implicit here to make sure that we are not trying to mimic the Goyim. So let's just use a very popular um, thing right now. Two things. Let's use two things that are very, very popular today. That based on this concept alone. Now, in this section, we're about to, to finish reading here in just a, a second. This is specifically talking about witchcraft, sorcery, necromancy, and those kinds of things. But the the injunction is general because in another place it talks about the religious practices, worship practices. And Yish, uh, Jewish halacha brings down that the Jewish person is essentially commanded to avoid looking like a pagan, acting like a pagan, uh, copying the goyim in any way. So let's use two things that are very popular. Let's talk about tattooing and let's talk about um, yoga, which... which both of those are forbidden, right? Um, so just based on this alone, if you say, well, I don't necessarily believe, you know, you feel like you're like King Solomon, you're the wisest person on the earth, and you think that God didn't want us to tattoo because it has something to, to do with uh, mourning for the dead. So therefore, if I'm not mourning for the dead, I can get a tattoo. I'll be A-OK -okay in the USA. In fact, not only can I get a tattoo, but I'll be super religious and I'll get a tattoo of the scriptures on my body. Not only that, I'll be super, super, super holy and super religious. And I'll have it tattooed in Hebrew. Oi. But anyway, if we look at the scripture here, 
Tattooing today is extraordinarily popular amongst non-Jews, and therefore, based on that fact alone, it's forbidden to us. Even despite the fact the Torah says it's forbidden, it's forbidden to us. Same thing with yoga. Yoga is super popular today. In fact, all the kid, cool kids do it. If you really want to be hip, then you will, uh, you'll have a, uh, a cafe latte that costs you about $10. And you'll be eating a blueberry scone on your way to the yogi hut. Not allowed to do it by Torah law. Why? Because yoga is absolutely 100% without question, no matter how much you dress it up. It's pagan worship. But even if you don't believe that, even if you don't agree with that, if you think for some reason I'm wrong, then based on the sheer fact that it's so popular among non-Jews, it's not allowed. You see? That's the point I'm trying to get, it, get across. By the way, I have nothing against blueberry scones, nor do I have anything against cafe lattes. I'm not a cafe latte person myself, but uh, I don't have anything against them. And uh, I like blueberry scones. I like blueberries. So just want to make that clear. All right, Baruch Hashem. So, uh, continue reading. It says in verse 10, verso 10, it says, There shall not be found among you one who causes his son or daughter to pass through the fire, one who practices divinations, an astrologer, one who reads omens, or a sorcerer, or an animal charmer. Now this is animal charmer is somebody who, who charms animals uh, for various reasons to protect them. This is the guy that plays the little flute and tries to charm the cobra, which is insane. This does not mean that you cannot train your dogs. I just want to point that out. It says, one who inquires of an of, or yidoni, or one who consults the dead. For anyone who does these is an abomination of Adonai. And because of these abominations, those, those, that's, there's, there's that word again, uh, in verse 12, where are we? Ki, yes. Ti ti, aslika. Ki to avat Adonai ko veg tamim. Okay, so, or hatovat. So we have twice in that verse the word toeva. Again, Hashem just driving home here what is considered an abomination before our God. So it says, um, you are to banish these nations before you and their practices. Verse 13, you shall be wholehearted with Adonai your God for these nations that you are possessing, they hearken to astrologers and diviners. But as for you, not so has Adonai your God given for you. So we're not to hearken to divination. We're not to hearken to astrology. In fact, others, uh, commentators have said that what makes Jews unique one of the things and this is by the way let me just clarify a jew is not not all caps bold underline not somebody who's just born in a jewish home 
a Jewish person is anyone who converts to Judaism. Anyone who who who. In, in other words, let me rephrase that. You don't have to be just born. In other words, it's not a blood religion. You don't have. To, it's not a race. You don't have to be physically born a Jew in order to be a Jew. Anybody can become a Jew vis-a-vis conversion. And this is why we have the waters of the mikvah, so that you can go through the mikvah and be born again a son or daughter of Abraham. Somebody asked, by the way, I believe it was Patricia, asked on the comments yesterday, can daughters be sons? No, they, they get to be daughters. <laughs> but I don't understand what she was asking. So if someone is teaching a, a, a woman, a rabbi like myself, I have many spiritual sons, thank God, and I also have many spiritual daughters. And so when we say sons in that context, it's really all-inclusive of both genders. Um, but in any case, um, I want to share an, an insight here from the Gutnik Humash. This is just an inside, uh, kind of a general idea about Teshuvah itself. It says, at the, this is going back to the idea of judges. Uh, it says, at the literal level of Torah interpretation, a judge is not merely one who decides Torah law, but he also shares the responsibility of enforcing the law. All right, so we talked about uh, the, the fact that there are judges and there are sheriffs at the opening of this parasha. So anyway, here's the insight, though, that I thought was just really, really good, something for us to consider, especially during this season of, um, uh, of Teshuvah. It says, This teaches us that genuine Torah study is not merely the accumulation of knowledge, but the purpose of wisdom is Teshuvah and good deeds. Now, because we're on a 40-day track, for wisdom, and everybody should remember to read a chapter of Proverbs a day. And if you fall behind, then read two chapters of Proverbs a day. It says, the purpose of wisdom, and wisdom, by the way, as, as Batya said in her Musar class yesterday, wisdom and Torah are synonyms. So if somebody is seeking wisdom, what you're really seeking is Torah. Why? Because Torah is God and God is wisdom. But I digress. So the purpose of wisdom, the purpose of Torah is to show in good deeds. Uh, this is, comes from Barakot 17a in the Talmud. Thus, if a person's Torah study does not lead him to increase in good deeds, it proves that something was lacking in the Torah study itself. Going back to the words of Yaakov, James, and the New Testament literature, or not, uh, yeah, the, the, the apostolic letter, if we have faith, study, but we don't have action, we don't have good deeds associated with that, we don't really have anything. That's the delusion that very often we, we find ourselves. We think that just because we have the vitamin supplements in the cabinet, that somehow we believe in health, but we don't take them, it has no effect. Right? Right? I, uh, I I had a gym membership, <clears throat> and uh, I had it for an entire year. I had the, the card in my wallet. I never went. And guess what? 
I didn't get uh, any healthier just by having the gym membership because I didn't put it in the action. But who knows? Maybe I'll make two of them. So it says, this is why we are promised that in the future era I will restore your judges, in Isaiah 126, without any need for police. For when everybody's, for in that time, everybody's Torah study will be at such a high quality that it will automatically engender Teshuvah and good deeds. So we have to improve. That's the point of that insight for this um, season of Teshuvah. We have to improve. The greatest fear, our biggest fear, our biggest fear that we should have is that <clears throat> we would study, we would learn, and um, we would have do have all this wonderful knowledge and not be transformed, not change. That that should be really our our biggest uh, fear of all that that um, that we would go through all of this, we would learn, we would daven, we would kosher our kitchens, we would wrap tefillin, and yet not be transformed. And so the, the, the season of Teshuvah, one of our biggest prayers should be, Hashem, change me. Really and truly change me. And, cha- and by the way, we're, we want to be changed and transformed because of Hashem. And I want to caution everybody because I was having this discussion just, just um, recently. Don't try... Don't don't make your Jewish life try to conform to in order to appease some other group or some other people. You know, I'm, I want to live this life because I want I want that Orthodox organization way over there to uh, approve of me or like me or accept me. Don't do it for that. That's not a good reason. By the way, that's one of the biggest traps in our modern era is everybody wants somebody to approve them or accept them. Be comfortable who you are. I'm comfortable who I am. I'm not trying to find myself. I, and that doesn't mean I can't improve. It doesn't mean I can't learn. It doesn't mean I can't grow. But I'm not running around trying to find myself. Um, I'm, and I'm not running around trying to follow somebody else or be like them or somehow live my life or wear my tie just right or wear my keep up you know not not where I don't want to wear my keep up backwards in order to approve uh, get approval by some other religious group you understand what I mean it's, again a lot of what I do here is try to help people live healthy lives to be stable and be stable within your community many people Throughout the years, have expressed, uh, they say things like, I'm sorry, I'm just trying to learn. I'm sorry I asked this question. I know that maybe I asked too many questions, uh, da 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 within the community. Don't be sorry. Ask the questions. Learn. Grow. We're all learning. I, contrary to popular belief, don't know everything. And neither does your doctor. Many times, your doctor will come in and he'll diagnose you, he'll examine you, he'll make a diagnosis, he'll have in his mind or she'll have in her mind 
what medication she or he thinks that you should have. And then they'll go outside the examining room into their office down the hall, pick up the phone and call the pharmacist and ask the pharmacist, does this medication I'm about to prescribe conflict with anything I need to know about? You know why? Because the pharmacist is the expert in medicine and in, in terms of the actual medicine itself and the doctor is in a different expertise. The doctor's not ashamed to call and ask the pharmacist a question. He doesn't know. He doesn't deal with medicine all the time like that. That's why you have PharmDs, they call them. Doctors of Pharmacy. Uh, but anyway, the point being is don't, don't be afraid to ask. This is how we learn. This is how we grow. Don't be afraid. Don't be insecure. You know, no one's... Uh, we're, it's all a life journey here. We're living for God. We're pursuing Messiah. The reason we're Yeshua focused here is because our whole point is to live like Yeshua lived. He is our example. Why? Because he's the king. We just talked about that yesterday. Anyway, I digress. Where am I? I'm in the Kehol Tumash now. This is an insight to verse 13. Be wholehearted with God. It says, when we are connected to God, we are not subject to any form of predestination. We should therefore never be concerned with predicting the future, with freeing ourselves from the spells or any other real or imagined forces, or with dealing with the possible influence of previous uh, or, or you know, demonic activity in our life. The surest way of ensuring our happiness and success in this life is by devoting ourselves wholeheartedly to learning what God expects of us, that is by studying His Torah, by addressing our prayers directly to Him, and by fulfilling His will in our life. So, just to recap, this is spiritual warfare. Spiritual warfare is not running around rebuking demons uh, and what have you. Spiritual warfare is getting into the spirit, i.e. God's word, i.e. God's Torah, studying it, learning it, implementing it, using it to correct our lives, and then par praying directly to God. So, we, in Lapid Judaism, we teach this as well, because the Messiah taught this. Now, the Mashiach is a manifestation of Hashem. He's the divine Messiah. He's the Torah made flesh. So, there's a great mystery there. I mean, you know, you know come on. Even still, we do not pray to Yeshua. We pray to Hashem in the merit of Yeshua. But going back to the larger point here, the way that we can have effectual spiritual warfare is to stay connected to Hashem. I'll tell you a funny story. Um, uh, I, uh, before uh, football lost its uh, mind and, and started disrespecting the, the um, national anthem, I used to be a pretty avid uh, football fan, National Football League, and uh, I'm, I, I'm born and raised right here in Dallas. I'm getting myself into a lot of trouble here in about two seconds. But I, I'm a very, was a very, very uh, big fan of the Pittsburgh Steelers. And so uh, I know, just pray for me. Um, so 
many years ago, actually 1995, I think it was, uh, the Steelers and the Cowboys were playing a Super Bowl. So I was at home getting ready to watch the game, and my sweet wife decided she was going to go to the store and grab some snacks. And then while she was there, she thought she would surprise me by getting a, a black and gold uh, balloon. Well, you know, so she did that, and she's in the grocery store. The game's going to start here momentarily. And as she realizes that she's in a, in a grocery store full of, of blue and silver cowboy fans everywhere. And uh, she said that she's standing in line with this black and gold balloon, obviously a Pittsburgh Steelers fan, feeling extremely uncomfortable, extremely intimidated. Everybody's kind of looking at her, thinking, oh my gosh, can, I mean, you know, what are you doing here? And she said that uh, she was just feeling about like she could melt like butter. And all of a sudden she turned around and there's a man standing behind her wearing a big old Pittsburgh Steeler jersey, who she said was about 6'6", and had shoulders about the, about the width of a small uh, Kia. And, uh, and he, she said she just turned around, and I think he smiled at her and just kind of nodded his head like, you know, you're going to be okay. <laughs> and she said, after that, I felt completely secure. Um, so the point is, the reason I brought that story up is because when we draw near to Hashem, He's that guy, I use that, that uh, term loosely, that we're standing next to who's got the giant shoulders and he's 20 feet tall and all powerful. And so what are the demons going to do? What are they going to do? They mess with you, they got to mess with him. That's the point. That's spiritual warfare. That's spiritual warfare. Now there's an insight. Uh, there's an insight. That's a true story, by the way. Rebetzin, uh it's very hilarious, but it is true. The Steelers lost that game, by the way, but uh, I'm not. I'm not going to bring up that. <laughs> anyway, um, so there's an insight here. Also, the chaos too much. Just something to remember. That, now this is a a pretty deep insight. I'm not going to get into the whole thing because we, for the sake of time. But I just want to point out. It talks about the Zeranpin, which is very kind of a mystical concept. The Zeranpin really is Mashiach, but don't really have time to get that. It's, it's like the miniature uh, Hashem, if you will, so to speak, or Hashem contracted, so to speak. But the point being is it talks about the Zeranpin being the, the quintessential human form. And it just points out something that's been mentioned in other, <coughs> pardon me, other Jewish texts, that there are 248 positive commandments, and there are 365 negative commandments. <clears throat> and it, it, it just, this insight points out that there happen to be 248 uh, parts of the human body and 365 nerves and sinew of the human body, meaning that 613 commandments correspond to the entire human being. There is literally, my friends, if you think about it this way, there is literally a commandment for every part of your body. So when we think about the mitzvahs, and you're thinking, why do we do this? Why do we, you know, what does this mitzvah have to do with uh, whatever? 
And the fact of the matter is, is we don't always know because the, the mitzvot are above our understanding most of the time, really. Like, why don't we get tattoos? Why do men not allow to shave their face? Why women have to be modest and so on? The point being is that there's every mitzvah that we do corresponds to an element of our body. Now, there are mitzvot that are meant for kings and mitzvot that are meant for priests and Levites. There's mitzvot that are meant for, meant for women, mitzvot that are meant for men. So how is it, if we want to live a complete life, we want to obey all the mitzvot, but we can't. So how do we do this? And the answer is through community. When our sisters in the community are fulfilling their mitzvot, they are doing that and we are benefit from it. Likewise, when we as men are the brothers, fulfill our mitzvot, they benefit from it. When somebody give sadaka, we benefit. When we give sadaka, they benefit. When they visit the sick, we benefit. When we visit the sick, they benefit. Why? Because we're in a community, we're all one body. This is why community is so important. And one of the things that is also prevalent in our modern society is the idea that everybody wants to push their own rock. And we get... You know, divide and conquer is not a smart military strategy. It's a very common thing. Let's divide and conquer. But that is, dividing your forces is rarely successful in battle. Rarely. And uh, everybody wants to be divided and, and, you know, have a group of ten over here, a group of five over there, a group of three over there, a group of one over there. And we're not, you know, we're missing King Solomon's words. It says two are better than one. A three-braided cord is not easily broken. Moreover, if you don't have a community, the, the bigger the community, the more mitzvahs that are being performed, right? I mean, there's mitzvahs being performed right now by people in the Lapid community. You don't even know they're performing it, but it's helping your physical and spiritual body. That's the beauty of community. That's why we say stay united, stay in the herd, right? Stay connected. So this is the beautiful part because when we're connected, we all benefit from each other's connectivity. End of our Aliyah today. We are out of time but not out of content. There's so much more to share and we will get to it tomorrow. Uh, So we ask everybody to be here or be square. So be sure and like this video. And share it with your friends. If you have not yet subscribed, please do so. And encourage your, other, encourage your friends to subscribe. Uh, encourage them. They may not even know about this. There's so many people that are just now finding out about this, and they can't believe it. They can't believe it exists. They have no idea. So share it with them. Don't be scared. Love, everybody. See you tomorrow. Have a great and beautiful day.